This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Thank you for being here this morning. Just before we get into the message, I want to take a moment just to spend some time worshiping him with the fruit of his blessings in our life. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What's interesting in that verse to me is that it speaks about God's motivation for giving. God's motivation for giving was love. God never gave to get. God gave because he loved. God never gave because he was looking for man to love him. He gave because he loved man. And it's it's a powerful insight because it gives us a little bit of an understanding as to what God's disposition is when it comes to sowing into the kingdom. God sowed Jesus because he loved mankind. And the result of that love motivation and sowing into mankind created opportunity for him to reap a harvest of multiple souls. So he's entered into and created an opportunity to move into having relationship with man once again. It never existed before love motivated action. When love motivates our actions, it changes things. When I got married to Sarah, I married her because I loved her. And that love is something which is fundamental to the way that we handle our relationships. When, we, I, when I got married and I said, I do, I was saying, I do. And part of the I do was because I loved her. And because I love her, I'm prepared to take of who I am and I invest in her. Because I love her, I support her. Before, because I love her, I have a responsibility to see those things in her life that are not perfect and sit and work with her to sit and say, how do I undergird you in that? How do I support? I'm investing in her and in our relationship all of the time. But the motivation for doing that is love. And ultimately what it translates to, into is a stronger marriage and me receiving benefit because she loves me. My encouragement to you today is this. I would like to encourage you to transcend our concepts of tithes and offering. Put that aside for a minute and step into love. Step into a paradigm of love that says, Father, you know what? You have blessed me so much. And my motivation to take of the things that you've given to me is burst purely out of love. I want to thank you, Father, for the opportunity to take of the things that you've blessed me with and I'm investing them in your kingdom. And the reason that I'm doing that is because I love you. The result of a love investment translates into fruit. What he's saying is the reason that we come and we bring of our tithes and we put it into the storehouse is because the storehouse is where we take of the, of the seed and we seed people's lives. You're investing in the seed that's going to translate into fruit. God takes of those things and he makes something of it. My encouragement to you is this. Get back to your disposition. Why are you investing in the kingdom? Why are you taking of the things of yours and putting it in there? Make sure that your motivation is right. And when you act on that, You can be sure that God will honor that and God is going to use it for a harvest and multiplication. Father, I just want to thank you right now that you're moving on people's hearts. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you provide every need that we have. I want to thank you, Father, that you are the God 
Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And as we step into an understanding of who you are and we get to know you in that paradigm, I want to thank you, Father, that that comes and is birthed out of an understanding of how much you love us. And that love begins to become something that informs the way that we handle life and our finances and the relationships in our life and our disposition to living. We bless you for it and we thank you for it now. Amen. Well, I've got an exciting message for you this morning. I don't know why I keep saying I have an exciting message for you because I think it's exciting, but you may not. So anyway, I think it's a good one. Um, Won't you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8? And I'm going to start reading from verse 1. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I want to speak to you this morning on something that I've titled Living from Dust. Living from Dust. The most important part of your being is the foundation of your life. The most important part of any structure is the foundation. It doesn't matter what it looks like once you start to have a look at the building and how beautifully it may be designed, the way that it may be constructed. If the foundation is faulty, it's always in peril and it's always in a place of jeopardy. So the foundation of a building becomes really important. It's the same thing for our life. It's really important that we have a look at the foundation of our life. If things are happening in your life and they seem to be recurring and they seem to be issues in your life, go back to your foundation. If there are things that are taking place in your life that are outside of God's will and you look at them and you you recognize the fact that that's not God's design for your life, go back to your foundation. Your foundation is really important. Everything in your life that happens is going to happen from your foundation. Our foundation becomes fundamental to everything. So it's important that we really not only have an appreciation and a concept as to what our foundation is, but we understand how that foundation operates. Because when we're understanding of that, it puts us in a place where we are equipped and enabled to do something with it. Our foundation is important. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 24, it says, Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. When it talks about issues, the Hebrew word for issues there, what it's talking about is it's talking about the forces that drive your life. The forces that drive your life. When we're talking about our heart, we are talking about that which constitutes the foundation of our life. It becomes important to us because the forces that drive our lives, life flow from that place. What happens in that place becomes fundamental. God speaks about it repeatedly. He speaks about the fact that it's important that we view Jesus as the cornerstone, that we view our life in Christ as the foundation of our foundation, that we live and we build our house on the foundation. Not to worry when storms come because if you're built on the foundation, you will stand. A foundation becomes important to God. And if it's important to God and he speaks about it repeatedly, he's saying to us, I want you to be aware of this because everything that's going to influence your life is going to flow from this place. Getting to grips with our foundation is important. And when we talk about our foundation, we're talking about our heart. Our heart is that most central part of our being. 
Another way to view heart is to have a look at what it's composed of. And basically, your heart is speaking about what do you believe. Your heart is your belief system. Anytime you read in the Bible the word heart, you can substitute the synonym for that would be beliefs. So when Jesus says, you worship me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me, what it's saying is, what you're saying outside and what you're doing in terms of your worship is one thing, but your beliefs are away or outside of who I am. Anytime you see heart, you can substitute the words belief because that's what constitutes the foundation of your life, your beliefs. Our beliefs are really important. Our beliefs are so fundamental to who we are and we don't always spend the time necessary to guard that space called our heart, to guard that place in our life that is the holy of holies, recognizing that what your future looks like is going to be determined by what flows into that space. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Our beliefs are important. We spoke last week about the importance of making sure that our beliefs are lined up with God. Because when our beliefs are congruent with where God is, what ends up happening is we're able to come into partnership with what God is wanting to do in our lives. The biggest challenge that we have for many people is that our beliefs are rooted in something called unbelief. Unbelief is not the absence of belief. Unbelief is being grounded and rooted in, in, in a belief about God which is not accurate. God wants to do some stuff in your life. God may want to heal you. The problem with it is when you have a belief system that says healing has passed away, your beliefs are fighting against God's grace. And the result of it is that nothing happens in your life. God wants to protect you. God wants to bless you. God wants to provide for you in your life. The problem with it is when God's looking to do something out of the grace for who he is and you grounded and rooted in a belief system that says I'm not worthy of receiving that, my belief system is fighting against his grace and I end up getting nothing. My belief system becomes fundamental because it's my ability to be able to understand what God wants to do in my life and to be able to harness that and to work in congruence with him so that I can bring that to maturity. Our beliefs form the foundation of our heart. Our heart is the center of our being. The reason that God has put certain things in place is to always take us back to that place where we can reappraise our foundation and we're able to have a look at it and make modifications or changes to it if we need to. That's why he's given us the concept of repentance. Repentance is all about your foundation. Repentance is sitting saying, what do you believe? If your foundation is wobbly, you're going to end up in trouble. The reason that repentance is there is to sit and make some modifications to your foundation. The reason that repentance is there is so that you can get in and you can adjust and make whatever changes you need to do to your foundation so that your structure is sound. The whole point about repentance is changing the foundation of your life. Repentance in the Greek speaks about changing your mind, but it's far more fundamental than that. If you explore it in more detail, it talks about changing the foundation. What it's saying is when your foundation is established in God's design, it'll affect your thinking so that you think like God. It'll affect your emotions so that you feel like God and it'll affect the course of your life. Our foundation becomes the foundation to everything that begins to happen in our life. It becomes so important for us. Looking at our foundation and being established in our foundation, it's key. Let me just see where I want to go to from there. God not only gave us a foundation 
And he's not only aware of our foundation, but God's invitation is for us to live from our foundation. When you live from your foundation, you engage in something called faith. Faith is the substance. Faith is the foundation of things hoped for. When you're part of the kingdom and you're a citizen of the kingdom and you're looking for the kingdom realities to be revealed and experienced in your life, faith is the substance. It is the foundation of what it is that you're hoping for. Foundation, faith is important because faith is when we take that foundation of ours, which is established in the truth of who God is, and we live from that place. So we begin to walk into an experiential reality of what God is all about. Faith is important and faith is supernatural. Faith is supernatural. Anytime we have something which is spirit in nature, having influence in the natural realm, you're talking about something which is supernatural. God is wanting to use spirit to inform the foundation of your life. And when you live from that foundation, you live from something called faith. Faith is supernatural. The result of what happens from that faith, is the product of the supernatural. The way that we take the things of the kingdom and we introduce them to our life is when we live from a foundation that's established in truth and we operate off a principle called faith. It becomes important because one of the first questions that we have to ask ourselves when we start along this journey is, where is my belief when it comes to the supernatural? Where is my belief when it comes to God having influence in my life and in my situation? People don't have a problem believing that God is able to do things. You'll have universal acceptance about that. People sit and say, yes, God can do it. But that's not what I'm asking you. The question I'm asking you is this. Do you believe that he would do it for you? that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it becomes gritty for people because lots of people say, I believe God can do it. But the problem with it is because I'm not convinced of the fact that he's going to do it in this situation, what ends up happening is I default to my own ability. I believe that God can do that stuff, but because I'm not grounded in the place where I'm convinced that he will do it, what ends up happening is I take charge. We have a strange reality as to who we are in our humanity, and that is we want control. We like control. Control is important to us because what control says is I have my fingers in the pie. I'm doing something. And as long as I'm doing something, I'm having influence. Somehow we have become persuaded of this idea that as long as I have influence, I can change the situation. And I want to question that reality today. I want to question that reality. And I want you to get re- to, uh, us to a place where we begin to rethink some of the things that we've accepted as normal. God's idea is that that which is supernatural becomes natural to us. God's idea is that supernatural living becomes something that we're comfortable and we live from. That's how we were designed. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When you have a look at the Hebrew word condemnation, what it's saying is judged as guilty and punishment is due as a result. Judged as guilty... And punishment is due. That's what condemnation means. So when we're looking at that, in essence, in the context of what Paul is talking about here, what he's saying is, the challenge that I have is this. 
I find myself in a place where the fruit of my flesh has such influence in my life, it seems to be ruling me. And the problem with it is, the only thing I can do and the only way that I know how to deal with this is to go to war with my flesh. To go to war with it so that I can take care of it. If you go back and you have a little further on and you have a look at Romans chapter 7, he gets into it into so much more detail. And he talks about, you know, the things that I really want to do, I find that I'm not able to do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And the thing is, I get myself to a place where I think everything's okay and everything's fine and everything's checked for a period of time. But then I'm doing it all over again. And he says, I feel like a slave. I feel like a person who's in jail. Because it feels as though my flesh has a life all of its own. And it doesn't matter how I war against it and how I fight against it. I never seem to be able to get beyond the point of where I am right now and walk into what God's life is for me. It's a recurring thing. It's a recurring issue. Lots of Christians have got recurring issues in their life. They struggle because they know I shouldn't lose my temper. Then I find myself in a situation where the kids have been tracking mud into the house and it's everywhere and the place looks like they've had a mud fight. And what ends up happening, the way that I deal with it is out of the temper as opposed to dealing with out of love. And I know it's wrong and I've done it a hundred times. And at the end of everything, when the dust is settled and I get myself back to the normal place, what ends up happening? I live with remorse about it because I think I didn't want to do this again. But I'm back to the same place that I was. And I feel as though the fruit of the flesh is ruling in my life. It affects us in terms of our behaviors. It affects us in terms of our attitudes. But I want to take it one step further. And what I want to say to you is this. I believe that it's more fundamental than that. When we live from the flesh, what ends up happening is very often it precludes us from walking into God's design for our life. Very often people have been sitting and they've been waiting for the promises of God to come to pass in their life. And the challenge is that it never seems to come to fruition. And I don't know why. Because it's recurring. I have this recurring issue. Every single year, I believe for God's protection and I believe that we're not going to get sick. And every single year, the kids get the flu. It's a recurring issue. I struggle with depression. And I find that it seems to have a hold on my being. And I'll get to that place where I feel as though I'm overcoming it and I've conquered it. And I'm so much better than where I was before. And I get to a place where I feel as though the road ahead is good. And the next thing I know, it's not terribly long before I find myself back down in the doldrums all over again. And I'm struggling once again with darkness and heaviness and depression. Because it's a part of my being once again. Because it's a recurring issue. What I want to suggest to you today is this. Anytime you have recurring issues in your life, go and check your foundation. Go and check your foundation. Recurring issues are talking to you about the fact that there is some part of your foundation that is unstable. There is some part of your foundation where there's a a fissure or a crack. There is something in your foundation that's not right. Go and check your beliefs. When you get your beliefs lined up with God, it will change all of those things. The problem very often when we have recurring issues is that the foundation to our life is problematic. The foundation is problematic. If we really want to get a grip and I believe a good handle on how to understand where we are and how we find a way forward, it's important for us to get to the place where we go back to whoever designed us. If you want to know how the car works, go and find out who designed the car. 
If you want to ask them a question, go to the designer. Don't go to the person who's selling the car. Don't go to the person who's peddling the car. They're going to tell you what you want to know. If you want to know how it functions, if you want to know how it works, if you want to know the best and the optimal way of running the vehicle, go to the designer. If you want to know how you're supposed to operate, go to the designer. Go back to God. Get back and find out what his design was for your life. In Genesis, it speaks about creation. And God engages in creation. And what does he do? He starts speaking things into existence. Light be, animals be, stars be, moons be, separation between the waters and be. God's speaking things into existence. He's speaking, 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 and things are happening until he comes to man. When he comes to man, he stops. And God doesn't speak man into existence. God speaks to himself. Let us make man in our image. And in our likeness. Why did God speak to himself? Because we were created in his image. He spoke to himself because we were created in his likeness. And when it comes to the creation of man, he never spoke him into existence. It says that God formed man. He took of himself and he formed man. Of what? The dust of the earth. He formed man of the dust of the earth. And as man was lying there with his physical being composed of the dust of the earth, God took of who he was and he breathed into man his spirit. He breathed into man his life and man became a living being. God breathed life into dust. God breathed life into dust. It's important because when we start to understand it, what we begin to realize is that God, man is basically two key components. He's dust and breath. Man is dust And breath, that's who he is. And what joins dust and breath together is something called your soulish realm. Your soulish realm exists as the fulcrum between dust and breath. The most important part of your soulish realm is the central being. It's that part which makes it work, which makes it operate. The central part of your soulish realm is your heart. Your heart and your beliefs. The way that God designed us was that the central part of who we were, the foundation of our life sits here as a fulcrum between dust and breath. And you get to make a choice as to what constitutes the foundation of your life. God's intention was always that we would go back and that breath would define our foundation. God's intention was that we would live from breath because when we lived from breath, we lived from who he was and what he was all about. When we lived from dust, we lived about from what was created. God intended for us to live from breath and not dust. The challenge with so many people is too many people live from dust. We live from dust. What ended up happening was Adam found himself in a place where temptation came in. And God said, you can eat from any tree here except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good in that context speaks about everything that was given to him that was wholesome and rich and profitable and valuable. Everything that constitutes the nature of God. Evil in that context speaks about hard work and labor. Those are the definitions in Hebrew. So what ended up happening was this. Adam moved to a place where he began to believe 
If I understand the goodness of who God is, and I understand how to work it effectively, what will end up happening is I'll move to the place where I will have the life of God. I will be just like him. If I can understand the knowledge of what was good on the inside of me, the things that God put on the inside of me that are, uh, that are from him, and I understand how to work that effectively, what will end up happening is I'll move to a place where I will realize what it is to be like God. What did he do? He made a decision all of a sudden at that very moment to change the foundation of his life from spirit and from breath to dust. And the minute dust came in and defined his life, bang, God's spirit left. God's spirit left. Why? Because the foundation of his life had been changed. And all of a sudden he was living from dust. There are so many Christians and they're well-meaning and they're well-intended. They love God. They have an appetite for the things of God, but they're living from dust. The challenge with it is we have a look at the way that my life works and how it operates and what's going on in my life. And the thing is, I'm not living from a place where spirit influences. I live from a place where I am intervening. I'm dependent and relying on my abilities. I'm living from dust. I know that I'm supposed to be a good Christian. And so what I do is I spend my time working really hard at being a good Christian. I try to do those things. What am I doing? I'm living from dust. I'm trying to behave really good, but I'm living from dust because it's totally dependent on my ability, not his influence. I'm not living from breath anymore. There are people, and one of the the most challenging things about being a parent is that you're always a parent. You never stop being a parent. Even when your kids become adults, you're still a parent. And the problem with it is right now it's a big challenge because they've got the license to live their lives any way that they like. But it still influences you because you're still a parent. One of the biggest pitfalls that a lot of parents fall into is that we deal with our relationships from dust and not breath. We always want to get involved in our kids' lives because they're off doing this and we think, well, I need to tell them how they need to do this and how they need to fix that and how they need to change this. Uh, I've got kids who are on substance abuse and kids who are in drugs and kids all over the place. And what happens? I'm on the phone to them every five minutes. I'm telling them what it is that they need to do. I'm telling them how do they need to change their life. I'm telling them that God loves them. Everything is well motivated. The problem with it is I'm living from dust and I'm living from breath. You're not going to change it. You're dependent on your own ability. You're dependent on dust to make some changes in life that only his influence can do. The challenge that we have as the body of Christ is that we have so many Christians who love God and have a sincere appreciation and a desire for him to play a more robust part in their life. The problem with it is they're living from dust. And so they never get to realize the fullness of what God has got available for them. They never walk into everything that he has. When the foundation of our life shifts from breath to dust, we end up in trouble. Because dust requires my contribution. Dust requires me to be the one responsible for making things happen. And what it does is it precludes God from having influence. It's the same thing that happened to Lucifer. When Lucifer was in heaven, he was who he was because of God's influence in him. God created him as beautiful and as amazing as he was. 
The problem with it was that at some point, Lucifer had a look at who he was, and rather than seeing the foundation of his life being God's influence, he saw it as his ability. And he thought, I'm so fabulous, what I can do is let me take it and live from my ability. And the moment that happened is when he dropped from heaven. In Matthew chapter 4, we read the story of Jesus, and he had just been baptized, and he goes off into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And one, one of the things that Satan says to him is, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. It wasn't an attack about, are you hungry? What it was, it was an attack against his foundation. What it was saying was this. You think that you're the son of God because God created you. You think you're the son of God because you're the seed of the word. You think that you're the son of God because the spirit came and gave life to it. But the thing about it is, if you really are God, prove that you're God and turn these stones into bread. What he was saying was, change the foundation of your life from relationship and influence into ability and dust. If you can move to the place where you can prove who you are because of what you can do, you've just stepped outside of relationship and you've just stepped into ability. You've just stepped outside of breath and you've just stepped into dust. That was the temptation. And Jesus says, no. It wasn't because Jesus wasn't able. It wasn't because he couldn't do that. It was because he understood what his foundation was. And he was understanding of the fact that who I am and what I can do is as a result of the influence of the Father in me. And I don't want to compromise that. I have no intention in living from dust. As long as we are not established and as long as we're at a place where we don't recognize and have an appreciation for who we are in Christ, we'll always default to our ability. As long as we're at a place where we're not established in who we are in Christ, we will always go back to dust. Whatever rules on the throne of your life will determine the foundation of your life. Either dust or breath. Whatever sits on the throne of your life is also going to determine the tools of your life and the fruit of your life. There is therefore now no judgment of guilt or penalty of punishment to those who are in Christ Jesus. The moment that you got born again, all of a sudden, the life of God came back on the inside of you. The moment that you got born again, what ended up happening was that the breath of God was once more available and accessible to you. I didn't, I would never find myself at a place where I had to live from dust anymore. All of a sudden, as a new creation in Christ, I had access to breath once again. God's intention was to sit and say to me, stop living from dust. I want to be the one who sits on the throne of your life. I don't only want to be savior, but I want to be Lord. I want to get to that place where we move to then shift the foundation of your life so that you're taking it away from your abilities and you're moving it onto my influence. We're taking it away from dust and we're putting it onto spirit. We're taking it away from where you've been and we're getting you reestablished in something which is all about me. Who walk not according to the dust, but according to the breath. Who walk not according to the dust, but according 
to the breath. You see, what sits on the throne of our life determines the tools and the fruit of our life. When we have dust on the throne of our life, what we do is we appreciate and we value our capability, what we're able to do. What feeds capability is your ability. What you're able to do is going to feed capability. It becomes a focus on who I am and what I'm capable of doing. And the only way that you increase your capabilities is by working harder or by working more. You influence your abilities. As you influence your abilities, so your capabilities increase. That's why so many Christians work so hard at their Christianity. That's why so many Christians are are burnt out of Christianity because it's hard, because I'm living from dust even though I love God. He didn't call us to live from dust. He called us to live from breath. But when you look at breath, breath is all about influence. Breath is all about influence. And the way that we have influence, influence comes as a result of relationship. Influence comes as a result of my identity and who I am. So if you want influence to increase, you don't spend more time working harder. You spend more time investing in relationship. You see, when you move to a place where you live from breath, what ends up happening is the focus of your life is not just It also changes. It's not just investing in me or what ends up happening is I shift and I begin to recognize it's not so much that I have to learn the word all the time. And I'm not taking away from the word. It's really important. I don't have to sit and spend my time knowing, you know, uh, the where to find this in the scripture. I don't have to spend time memorizing this. I don't have to spend time running off to church every five minutes. I don't have to spend time working really hard at stuff. What ends up happening, it's not that those things in and of themselves are, are bad, but what it is, is it's a works program. I'm doing it because my ability allows me to do it. The challenge with it is there are some places in life that my ability is going to hit the wall. If you live as a Christian according to your ability, you can live comfortably, relatively. You can do okay. But what it does mean is this. There are going to be some times in your life where you can't deal with some circumstances. There are going to be some times in your life where you can't deal with situations. There are going to be some times in your life where the turbulence and what happens on the inside of you, you're not going to be able to address and deal with. Why? Because I'm relying on my own ability and I don't have the capacity to do that. If I shift my life and I recognize that I'm supposed to live from breath, I recognize that what's most important is influence. Influence comes from identity and identity is rooted in relationship. So I spend my time focusing on and investing in and being intentional about relationship with Father God. I spend time with him. Go and play sports with dad. Go and ask dad to tell you about the family tree. Go and tell dad about your heart and what's going on in your life. Go and speak to him about who he is and what he's all about. Why? Because he's going to do a few things in your life. Number one, he's going to tell you who you are and what you're all about. And you're going to suddenly realize, I didn't know our family did stuff like that. And you're going to sit and say, you know what? Actually, this is available to you and this is accessible to you for no other reason but you're part of this family. You get this benefit and you get this goodness and you get all of this stuff that comes into your life, not because you worked hard at it, but because you belong to the family. My investment changes and it moves to a space where I begin to invest in relationship because relationship is important. Relationship becomes so fundamental to how I grow and I move forward in my Christianity. 
We believe as Christians that the goal of our Christianity is to live a good life. Many Christians believe that. They believe that if you live a good life, it's indicative of the fact that you're blessed of God. And so the goal is, I want to be happy and I want to be prosperous and I want to be whole. And I I, I look for all of these things. I'm looking for a good life. But what I would propose to you today is this. God is not as interested in your good life as as he is being interested in you getting established in his life. A good life is not as important to God as his life. You see, you can live in a good life, but there are going to be some stuff, that, some stuff that comes into the life of a good life that you're not going to be able to deal with. But when you're grounded and you're established in his life, things change. He wants you grounded and he wants you established in his life. A number of years ago, probably more than a number now, Sarah and I decided that we were going to have a family. And we looked forward to that. But I was never away on business for three weeks. And I came home after three weeks having been on business. And Sarah said, good news. I'm expecting. You see, the fact that she's capable of bearing fruit doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing. I don't want her bearing any fruit. I want her bearing my fruit. I don't want to raise somebody else's seed. But we don't have this concept in the church. In the church, we're more preoccupied with fruit than where the fruit comes from. What we end up in the church with is a whole bunch of people who look really good. A whole people, bunch of people who've got the right image. A whole bunch of people who are working really hard. The challenge with it is a whole bunch of that stuff is not seeded from him. It's seeded from other things. The challenge of so many Christians is that we're out there and we're fornicating with guilt and conviction and fear and control. And what ends up happening is that can coerce you to do certain things, but it's not going to introduce you to the life of God. Yes, I do certain things because I feel guilty and I don't want God to do it to, to get me. And yes, I'm running off to church all the time with regularity because I believe that if I don't do that, I live under condemnation. I pray extra hard because I know how bad I am during the day. And I live from a place of guilt. Extra hard and extra long. I pay extra tithe. I give more than I need to. Why? Because I'm trying to pay penance for the things that I've done. What God's saying is this. The problem with it is the seed that is at the heart of that is the wrong seed. And so you're giving birth to things that are not of him. And the reason that we struggle with so much stuff is because we're out there conceiving from places that are outside of breath. The minute we conceive from that, we give birth to it. And when we give birth to it, we have to manage it. God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Abraham wanted to be a father. The challenge is what Abraham decided to do was, instead of relying on breath, he moved over to depending on dust. 
And he took it into his own hands. And what did he do? He went and he got together with Hagar and they gave birth to an Ishmael. That's the challenge with so much of what happens in Christianity today. We're conceiving of things and we're giving birth to things that are of the flesh, that are of the dust, but it has no life in it because it doesn't come from him. God knew that Abraham had the ability to produce. God knows that you have the ability to produce. You just have to get the right seed. You have to get the right seed in your life. When we're living from a place outside of breath, the only other place that we can live is dust, which means I'm relying on myself and my own abilities to do a whole bunch of stuff in my life. God's invitation to us is to step back in and to live from a place called breath. How do I do this? There are a couple of things that I want to suggest to you. Number one is this, get established. Get established in breath. Be intentional about it. The only way that you find out about breath is you're going to have to get together with the Holy Spirit and you're going to have to get into relationship with him and say, Holy Spirit, you know what? I want you to begin to open up the word to me and I want you to paint pictures in my mind. Show me, Holy Spirit, who I am as part of the family. You need to spend time with the Father and allow the Holy Spirit to make that relation rich and to make it robust and to make it full so that as you sit and you spend time meditating with him and thinking about the things of him and seeing your life in the context of breath, it begins to take root and begins to change and transform who you are. Why? Because I'm interested in living from a different place. When you live from breath, it doesn't mean that you don't do. There are things that the Holy Spirit is going to require you to do. The thing about it is it says the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. That's the difference. When we move to a place where we're living from breath, I'm always looking for the Holy Spirit's intervention in my life. I'm always looking for the Holy Spirit to come to the place where he's inviting me to move into a certain direction or to accept something because he wants me to do something on his behalf. And as I move together with him and as I act the way that he wants me to, what ends up happening is I walk into what he's designed for me. Just because you're living from breath doesn't mean that you sit in your Lazy boy at home with your feet up, waiting for the job to arrive. It doesn't always arrive. What you do is you find out what the plan and the purposes of God are, and you get together with the Holy Spirit and you pray about it, and then you take your direction from him. You don't get into worry and angst and anxiety and start running around like a chicken with its head cut off, and you fill your life with fear, and you fill your life with all kinds of things that don't add any value to who you are. God has an incredible life for us. God has an incredible life for you. And what he wants for you is to walk into the fullness of who he is. And the way that we do that is by getting a hold of breath and living from breath as opposed to living from dust. God knows what you can do. But if you live from what you can do, you're going to see the fruit of your life. What he's saying is, I want my life to be realized in you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The way that we overcome and the way that we live the God kind of life is not because we're trying to do it. It's because we're living from a place where we are established in breath. Father, I just want to thank you for all that you are. I just want to thank you for your goodness to every person. I want to thank you that you're such a good God, that your intention is for us to live from a place 
where we recognize who you are, where we allow you to define the function, the, the foundation of our life. And as we allow you to give that definition, as we allow you to grow strong in that, I just want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that it moves us to a place where we can take and we can live of that foundation and we can take the truth of who you are and introduce it into our world. I thank you that it's not about labor. It's not about hard work. It's not about living from dust. It's about getting established in you and living from breath. I bless you for your goodness to us and I thank you for it right now. I thank you for every person that's out there right now, Father. And as they they navigate this week, I want to thank you for a people who are just entrenched and sensitive to your direction and leading this week, Holy Spirit. Father, I just want to thank you that you've called us to be salt and you've called us to be light. And I pray pray for opportunities for every person right now. Everybody who's out there who has family, who has friends, who have neighbors, who have relatives, who have people who are sitting saying, I'm in a place of anxiety, I'm in a place of stress, I'm in a place of, of being burdened by the reality that's around us. I pray for opportunities to take the things of you and to see their life right now. I thank you, Father, that this is a time of opportunity and that the body of Christ will rise up at this time and take its rightful place. I thank you that the body of Christ in America becomes an example to the rest of society as to how we deal with life differently because we live from breath. We bless you for your goodness right now and we thank you for it. Amen.